Hey there, Dauntless Podcast listeners. Tis I, your host, Adam. How are you? How you doing? As I hit my glasses on my mic. <laughs> it is, uh, quarter to four in the morning where I am right now. Having one of those nights where can't sleep. Can't, uh, can't get comfortable. Had a pain in my hip for a couple days. I don't know why. I must have cracked it on something. Feels like it's bruised. Had some uh, business stuff go south a little bit. And uh, that's what I'm going to talk about today. But first, give a shout out to bensound.com for the intro music. Find us on uh, Facebook, Don't List the Podcast. I got uh, one of my dogs decided to come down and hang out with me. It's kind of weird because it's technically my wife slash son's dog. She came downstairs with me. Quote unquote, my dog upstairs. Probably sleeping in the bed where I am right now or should be right now. Um, but yeah, I'm going to talk about some uh, some business stuff. And some uh, uh, life stuff. I mean, shoot, how, how are your thoughts at 3.45 a.m. when you can't sleep? Scattered? <laughs> uh, I've been awake for about an hour. I woke up and uh, clenching my jaw. Have you ever clenched your jaw in your sleep so much that it just gives you just a splitting, pounding migraine type headache? And that's what I. That's what happened to me last night. So, um, as I'm laying there, I must have been tossing and turning. I must have woke my wife up, and. Uh, we were chatted for half a second, and I got up, took some some migraine meds, and tried to go back to sleep, and couldn't. It just laid there and laid there, and my, my head is just freaking pounding. My jaw hurts. So rather than uh, keep her awake, I just decided I'll just get up, go down two floors down into the basement office, and sitting there scrolling TikTok, and I'm like, you know, why don't I do something a little more productive? Why don't I just, you know, try to figure out why I'm clenching my jaw in the middle of the night? Because more than likely, it's subconscious, right? Because we carry the stresses of our lives um, each and every day, and we carry it through over uh, into the evening. And, you know, some people do what they call a brain dump where they just, before they go to sleep, just write everything down. Um, I've tried that in the past and all that makes me do is just think about it more. <laughs> so if it works for you, man, good on you. Oh, it doesn't work for me. Um, one thing that 
I don't know if it's, well, I guess maybe it is a brain dump, but I don't know. After a work day, I usually write down, you know, like my to-do list for the next day. And, um, you know, I don't know if that is a brain dump or not, but, uh, seems like when I, when I do that, I just feel more organized in my, in my daily life helps me to, you know, I don't know if it's prioritized, but just helps me to, you know, like, for example, my list, um, that I've got for tomorrow, uh, well, later today, I guess, because it already is tomorrow. Going to do a little vacuum in, do a little dusting, um, do some work stuff and, um, need to work on a car. I don't know why, but get out and work in the yard a little bit. Um, that's far down the list because where I live right now, when it gets warm in the spring, man, we have these just nasty biting gnats that come out and they are relentless. Um, I found out they were out yesterday because I let my dogs out in the afternoon to, you know, spend some time outside. When I let them in, geez, there must have been about 6,000 gnats flying around them. And I feel bad because they were out getting pestered by those guys. Um, but I came in, gave them some dinner, and gave them a treat. Hopefully that made up for it. Not that they understand what's going on or anything, but I think they do, right? Pets are amazing that way. Um, so yeah, what do you do, um, when you can't sleep? Usually I just get up and like I said, scroll TikTok or, you know, jump on the YouTube and watch stupid videos, just, you know, mind numbing crap to help you, uh, you know, calm down and get back to sleep. Um, so love to hear from you. What What's your strategies? What do you do? The other thing I want to talk about is, is um, some business stuff. Um, you know, back, back in, uh, in the day when, before I got sick, I was a uh, business consultant, I guess, lack of a better words, business manager that um, I loved going in and, um, you know, if, if, if companies were hiring for management, it usually means that they have, you know, something's not working proper in their company. And, you know, sometimes I would go in strictly, hey, I'm consultant Adam, and, you know, you can hire me one of two ways. You can pay me a salary or you can pay me an equity in the company. And nine times out of ten, you know, owners don't want to give up equity, so they would just hire me. Uh, and just paying me a salary. And um, for the most part, I was pretty successful at, at fixing whatever was wrong in their company. Um, had a couple of companies that, that weren't on board with it. One of them was a, um art gallery. And the guy was, uh, he said he was looking to sell. He wanted to make it a little bit better. So I said, okay, let me go in and and look at it. And, you know, if it's 
decent. You know, I have a background. I have a background in an art gallery and picture framing. Um, and I thought, well, maybe this would be a good, good investment, you know, for me. And as I got in there and started looking around, um, you know, right, it would, it would make sense that I would go in and say, boy, this thing is so broken. I'll just, I'll just give you pennies on the dollar for it. But I didn't do that. I helped this guy out. You know, I started running the thing better for him to show him that, hey, you know, this is a viable business and, you know, we can partner up or we can, you know, look at selling it. But, you know, let's let's get let's write the ship before any of that goes down. And I guess that's just the honest ethical thing to do. I mean, a lot of people don't do that, but that's not how I operate. I'm, you know, straight up honest and ethical, which is in business sometimes a, a, a very hard trait to run across um, because everybody's got the, you know, I'm in it for me and screw the world mentality. Um, I'm going to do what what's best for me and whatever that is. So uh, eventually, in this instance, the guy, um, you know, after I, after I started helping his company get better, he, you know, I didn't make him an offer cause I didn't, I didn't feel the company was strong enough to survive, um, yet any kind of a, a sale or, or takeover at that point, all I would be doing is taking on his stupid debt and I'm not going to take on his debt, um, like he wanted to. So, um, one day I showed up, uh, uh, well, I, showed up and uh signed on the door and said sorry we're closed <laughs> and he chose to shut the dang thing down versus doing the right thing and taking care of his employees uh and making it better and uh didn't pay me so I ended up having to sue him took him to court and won to get my money because he was an idiot but uh anyways second company that uh didn't go well um, it was an auto body shop and we were, or my family and I were moving back into the city. Um, and you know, I was looking for employment to help with that. We were, uh, coming in and, and I found this thing and, and again, I had, uh, I had some, uh, experience in body shop management. You know, I'm I'm not great at fixing cars, but I'm great at fixing companies. So I went in and applied, and in my interview, I remember it was between me and one other candidate, and I looked at the uh, GM of the dealership. This was for a dealership, and um, I said, if you're looking for the quick fix, you know, I'm not I'm not the guy. Um, not in it to, you know, slap lipstick on a pig and call it fixed when it's not. Um, and they, you know, decided to hire me. Now this was more of just a straight up job as the body shop manager, not as a consultant, but they wanted my skill set in fixing a broken body shop. So, um, you know, I get in there and boy, this thing was messed up from top to bottom. It was, and even... Like when I say top to bottom, it was messed up 
higher levels than I was. Um, all the way down to, you know, the parts guys. Not that they're the bottom, but, um, you know, the whole department was just super toxic, super crazy. It was like the Wild West. So I get in there, um, starting to figure things out. And I had texts threatening to quit. And I'm like, I had other texts just being, I mean, borderline sexual harassment stuff going on and so I tried putting an end to all that stuff and to the texts that were threatening to quit I just got so sick of it I'm like one in particular I just remember looking at him and he's like well just go work for somewhere else and I'm like well great let me help you push your toolbox out into the parking lot let's get that process started for you because I'm sick sick of hearing it and needless to say he didn't quit because he was making good money um and it was just an empty empty threat just to i don't know try to be a bully you know bully on pick on the new guy whatever but it turns out as as i'm deeper into this thing i find out that in the 10 years prior to hiring me this company went through um 11 managers now you know, 11 managers in 10 years to run a department? Give me a break. What does that tell you, listeners? What's what's the problem? Out of all that time, is every single one of those persons just really crappy at running a body shop? No. <laughs> Where do you think the problem lies? Well, the problem lies um, in the policies that the dealership had set up to run the body shop. The problem lies in the management that overseen the body shop manager. So, um, mind you, this is all right before. I mean, this is the last legit job that I had before I got um, sick with with what I have and, and wasn't able to continue work. Um, we had a meeting and I mean, all the, the big wigs were there and like the VP of, I don't know, finance and the VP of the parts department over the whole, a whole dealership network and all these other big wigs. And I brought this point up to, all of those people because they were, I mean, literally coming down on me and I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, hold on a minute. I said, first of all, I said, when I was hired, I told you guys, if you're looking for the quick fix that I wasn't your guy. And turns out they were looking for the quick fix because when we had this meeting, I think it was what, two or three months in and if that, yeah, it was probably two months, maybe three. And, you know, when they were totally jumping down on me and I'm like, well, let's just look at this whole situation. And I had one supporter, which is the VP of the finance, this super nice lady that, that gets it. And, you know, but she didn't get it enough to stand up for me. She got it enough to agree with me, but to save her own bacon and not, you know, jump on my side, which I can't blame her. She had a pretty sweet gig. I'm guessing probably made quite a, quite a bit of money 
um, not enough, you know, too much to risk to jump in on a, on some lowly little body shop manager side. But as we were going into the meeting there, um, and after they're jumping on me, I'm like, oh, now wait a minute. I said, let's, let's really look at this situation here. And I said, do you realize that in these last 10 years that you've gone through 11 managers? I said, what does that tell you? And the one guy who was just, man, lack of a better, he's just a prick. You know, well, I, I'm best friends. This is this guy. I'm best friends with the owner of this dealership. And, you know, we go do this and that together and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't effing care who you are. Uh, you know, it's a big deal. So what? I said, you hired me to do a job. I'm here to do a job. And I'm here to tell you what's broken. And, yeah, I can fix it. But you're trying to run a body shop like a car dealership. You can't do that. You know, the same reports don't work. The same system doesn't work. Um, and you're you're trying to, you know, force a square peg into a round hole. Now, you know, no wonder why, you know, things aren't aren't going are going south. And I said, now I can, I can fix this and, and we can do it. I said, but you have to make some, some changes, you know, from above me to let me do my job, unhandcuff me, let me do my job and I'll make this thing profitable. Done it before I can do it again. And as I'm saying this, he just stopped at, stopped listening when I said in 10 years, you've had 11 managers. He stopped listening right there. And he said, no, wait a minute. He says, what are you saying? Are you saying that this is our fault? And I'm like, well, I said, I'm not saying that at all. I said, I'm saying in 10 years, you've had 11 managers. Well, it just can't be our fault, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's interesting that you would say that because I never said it was your fault. You did. You know, and as I said that, he, he, his face got super red. <laughs> this boy was heated that how dare I challenge him, Mr. Best friend of the owner and has been there from the beginning. Well, just because you've been there from the beginning doesn't mean that you know how to do your job proper. Maybe you know how to do your job in your department, but have you ever run a body shop before? Have you ever taken a business class? Have you ever thought about humbling yourself to think that, hmm, maybe I need to improve to help improve my area or the whole company, you know, through my actions? But instead, no, it's not my fault. It's your fault. Um, so, you know, needless to say, I... I stuck around and I, I kept plugging at it, but then, um, I got sick and unfortunately at work is when my whole world turned upside down. And, um, thankfully for me, I had a buddy that I had hired as a body shop estimator cause he was in a, a tough spot that needed a gig. Thankfully he was there and, 
um, I asked him to, you know, drive me home and I was able to get home. But, uh, yeah, that was the last day that I worked. And I remember, uh, um, it was a, it was a crazy day, but anyways, so this latest endeavor that I was, uh, trying to do, um, was a, um, company, uh, that they were, two guys had started, two friends started a company and they were, um, trying to do, well, I can't, I don't want to say, um, but they'd started a company and in the middle, you know, six years in of, of trying to do what they're doing, they decided to form a DBA underneath their, um, main company structure to branch out. And uh, I totally get why they tried to do it because they were, um, doing things to in, in their main company that they thought, well, Hey, if we can branch out, maybe we can, or, you know, generate some extra revenue. If this was a standalone or a DBA and let's shift focus and, and try to do it, uh, focus on this. And then we'll get back to our original plan. And, um, I met these guys, started talking about them and, and talking to them. And turns out that, you know, they were like, boy, we're, we're struggling. We're, we're kind of lost. We don't know what to do. And, and I went in and I said, well, Hey, I can help you. And I met with both of, uh, both the partners and I said, there's, you know, really one of two ways. I said, you can either, you know, hire me or if you want, or, um, if you can't afford to hire me, then, you know, let's do an equity share. So they were down with doing an equity share and I got one third ownership of the, of the companies. Um, so now there's three partners involved and, and I'm like, great, you know, sign, let's sign the paperwork, let's roll. And as I get into, into, um, looking at all the numbers, uh, the numbers aren't good. Um, these guys are barely scraping by, um, And it's just a matter, you know, number wise, it's a matter of time before, um, you know, I realize it's a matter of time before things go um, sideways. So I'm like, okay, this is sketch, but I can, I can figure it out. And, um, as I'm digging in and I'm, I'm looking more closely at the numbers, I'm seeing a pattern develop and the pattern was, is that one of the partners was on the hook for uh, the company. Oh, my wife's dog has a very itchy face. She must have got bit by one of those gnats. I don't know if you could hear her scratching over there. Um, but it turns out one of the partners was carrying all the debt load um, on the company, and the other partner was um, not carrying any debt on the company, but he had access to you know, the credit lines and, and things of that nature because he was the main one that was running, um, the DBA and, um, 
he was taking out guaranteed payments for him and his family. And, and I remember, um, he'd submitted, uh, a couple of jobs and he wanted to get paid for. And as I was going through those, I was looking at some of the expenses that he put down and I, I had some questions about that. And for example, um, he had one job that was, um, um, not too far from his house, like literally two blocks where he was installing some, some plumbing equipment. And in the job that he submitted, he had a $125 fuel charge in there. And I'm like, okay, this job is a couple blocks from your house. And, you know, I questioned him. I'm like, what, what did you, did you drive to the next state to pick up this part? Why is it $125 in fuel? And the other estimate um, that he wanted to get paid for had another $50 in fuel charges. So between the two jobs, he had $175 in fuel charges that he was looking to be reimbursed for or whatever. And I questioned that. And I questioned the discrepancies because in between these two jobs, they were installing the exact same thing, but there were parts discrepancies. There's pricing discrepancies. There's labor discrepancies. I mean, extreme differences. And I get it that, you know, some, some jobs require, you know, different, you know, installation processes. I get all that. But I mean, it was, it was an extreme difference. And um, so I just asked for some clarification and never got it, never got it, never got it. And, you know, as I was going, as I was going through all the numbers leading up to this, this is what, three weeks in, four weeks in, and I've just, I'm noticing a pattern here that, um, it's kind of a monster red flag for me. And now that my name is on the company, um, I have to sit and evaluate that and say, okay, is this risk, you know, really worth the reward. And at the time I'm going through the company's not making that much money because our expenses are just through the freaking roof. And he was making some other questionable business decisions. There was a, a some situations where he hired, you know, um, Y'all have seen in your local town there people hang out by the Home Depot or the Lowe's, right? And they're looking just for day labor work. Well, he'd hired a couple of those people um, to come work on some jobs. Well, that's all fine and dandy to help people out that are wanting and, and needing to work. The problem lies in they're not covered by our business insurance. They're not covered by workers' comp insurance. And if one of those persons get hurt, who are they coming after? You know, the insurance isn't going to pay. They're coming after the company. And if they're coming after the company, that means they're coming after the partners. Um, and, you know, one partner is already carrying a ton of debt secured personally. Um, the other one's not carrying any debt load and then there's me but 
you know, if someone gets hurt in this so happy world that we live in, who, who you know, they're going to come after the company. Well, well, if they're coming after the company, they're coming after the partners. And that's a risk that I'm just not willing to take. I know that in business, there's always risk in business, right? I get it for all you business pros out there. Um, I understand that and I accept those risks. But as an owner of a company, it is your duty to mitigate the amount of risk, right? To your investors, to your partners, to your employees. And the pattern that I was seeing with the one partner is there was just no regard for mitigating risk. It was just spend, 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 risk, risk, risk. And, um, yeah, finally, I'm just like, I just, I can't, I don't, I don't see this changing. I see, you know, I'm, I'm getting the lip service to where like, oh yeah, I need to be better. need to be better. And, I'm not seeing the actions, you know, the steps in the right directions to, to make those changes. What I'm seeing is unnecessary spending still, um, unnecessary risk taking. And, you know, I had to pull out, I had to pull out of that, that deal. And it really kind of bugs me and it, and it, and it bums me out. There's a lot of potential there with that, you know, that whole deal, you know, to, to make it in business, there's, there's three things that you need. You need to have, I, actually, there's two out of three things that you need in order to be successful. And if you don't possess all three, then you have to find somebody that has the other areas that you lack in. And the three areas are, it's, it's what they're known as the three T's, right? There's time, there's talent, and there's treasure. And you need all three to have a successful venture. Now, other people say, no, you don't, and blah, blah, blah. But in my experience, you need those three. Um, got to have the time, got to have the talent, you got to have the treasure. And if you only have the time and the talent, then you got to find somebody with the treasure. Or if you only have the talent, then you have to find somebody that has time and the treasure. Or whatever, right? I don't know if I said that twice or not. Again, it's super early. and I'm running on a couple hours sleep. But this setup... Um, you know, they, they needed somebody to come in and, and, and help. Um, and I just, I couldn't take that risk any longer. And couldn't put my, you know, expose, um, you know, my family to the risk that he was taking. And it was, it's a, it's a shame because, I mean, there is an upside. There's definitely potential there. But as things were going, the risk just outweighed by a long shot the reward. Um, so I stepped out. I said, okay, thanks. Um, but no thanks. I'm out. Can't do it. Um, 
and I truly hope that they can turn it around. Um, I know one of the partners and I have talked that, you know, hey, maybe we can do something in the future in a different area. And we'll see if that takes hold or or what happens. I don't know. Um, you know, for what for whatever reason, this guy's going to stick it out with a guy that's putting him in severe jeopardy of of uh, personally secured things. <laughs> and, um, you know, I tried to, you know, shine a light on it and say, hey, you know, or, or it's like that old adage, hey, I've been telling you that your house is on fire, your house is on fire, your house is on fire. And he's like, well, you know, I can see the smoke, but I think uh, I think it's going to go out on its own. I think that if I just talk to the fire, it's going to go out on its own. Um, and to that I say, good luck, man. I hope it does. Um, and I hope it... I hope it doesn't come back to bite you and your family in the rear end. You know, your house is on the line here. And I know if my house was on the line, if somebody came knocking on my door and said, hey, your house is on fire, you're dang sure I'm going to figure out where that smoke is coming from and I'm going to put that fire out. Um, But to some people, that's not, uh, you know, friendship is more of a priority and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'll do anything for my friends. But tell you one thing I won't do for my friends is I won't let my friends take out and be in debt in a partnership for me. Now, when I first met with these guys, and here's a small example. When I first met with these guys, we we met at a Denny's over breakfast. And we're sitting there, and it comes time to, to pay, you know, our checks. And I reach down for my wallet, and sure as crap, I don't have my wallet. <laughs> and uh, so embarrassing. So here I am, you know, big business guy, whatever. We're eating, and I don't have my wallet. Hey, can you guys cover my breakfast for me? And the one guy did. And, you know, the second that I got back to my house, sure enough, there's my wallet sitting on my nightstand. And uh, I go to the bank the next day, and I get money out, and I I have the money in my wallet for the next time I see the guy. I'm going to give him that money. And the very next time that I saw him, I gave him my 20 bucks for my breakfast because it was a debt that he was carrying and uh, I'm not going to let him do that for me. I paid him. So I'm, I just can't imagine being in a partnership where one partner is carrying all the debt load. You're not carrying any of the debt load but yet you're still asking to be paid when the other partner isn't taking any money out of the company. That that to me is a foreign concept. So anyways, moral of the story is watch your risk. Um, 
partner up with somebody. Partnerships are amazing. They're great. Because you can find somebody that has one of the one or two of the areas where you're lacking, and then that can really work. It can work well. But you know, if you're going to be a partner, be a partner. Don't be a leech. Don't be a, a financial st- strain on the company. You know, do your part, but be a partner. Um, you know, don't let one partner carry everything. While you're supposedly, you know, doing things and 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 putting people at risk, and you know, don't don't do that. Be a partner. Um, partnerships don't let that kind of stuff happen. Um, so when I when I when I broke it off, I, I, I just basically told both of these guys, I'm like, and I looked at the one guy, I'm like, you're, I, I, I can't be business partners with you, unfortunately. You know, some of the things that you do are just, they're too, um, too risky for me. So, you know, here's my one-third partnership back, and uh, good luck to you. Let's keep in touch, and, and when you get this ship righted, if you want, um, I can come back, but it's going to come back and, 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 uh, things are going to have to be a little bit different. So, but anyways, that's what I've been up to. Um, and I don't know if that's contributing to why I can't sleep tonight or not. Um, I'm going to blame it on the fact that I was having a dream that it was with a, uh, a, a group of musicians. They were looking for a lead singer, <laughs> And uh, I was there um, with my wife, and I was just hanging out there playing in a bar. It's so weird, dreams, right? Dreams are so weird. And I, they were they're playing in a bar, and I was just hanging out kind of behind the scenes, and there was maybe, I don't know, 30, 20, 30 people in the bar. And um, they started playing, and I was just kind of like singing the songs that I knew, but not on mic. And, um, they took a break and then they, you know, we were just talking and, and for whatever reason, the bar room setting shifted to like an outdoor plaza type area. (laughs) And there was people getting uh, pizza from like a walk up, take out pizza joint. (laughs) And, uh, they started playing the song, um, it's a song by Ronnie James, the late, great Ronnie James Dio called Rock and Roll Children. Now, I've never sang that song in my singing career ever. And for whatever reason, in this dream that I was having tonight, I tried to start singing that. <laughs> and I remember um, as I'm singing it, I think we're getting into the second verse. I'm going to after I'm done recording this, I'm going to actually pull up the YouTube video and watch the, the video of the song. But I was like, somebody, I, I grabbed one of the, um, one of the uh, drum mics, right? Now, if, if you're in music, you'll know that um, um, instrument mics are different than vocal mics. So I grabbed one of the, uh, one of the drum mics and I was just holding like this little, teeny drum mic and 
I was singing a little bit and uh, um, my wife came and grabbed the mic and then everybody was just kind of looking at me and I'm like, when they stopped, I'm like, um, why, what, what's, what's going on? I'm like, was I pitchy? <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, you were a little bit pitchy on that song. And I'm like, I remember feeling so bummed because I thought I was nailing it in my dream on a song that I've never sung in my entire life um, outside of singing with it whenever I heard it um, come through my car stereo uh, on the cassette that I used, that I have. I still have that cassette actually um, with that song on it. <laughs> and what a funny, what a funny dream. But uh, I've probably been dreaming that because uh, um, a friend of mine has a band they made a few albums um, and he's starting another project with a couple of other guys and he's like, Hey, you need to come sing with us, you know? And I'm like, uh, you know, probably not. It's been 30 years since I've sang and I doubt that I'll be any good. And, um, just for kicks and giggles, I have a, uh, I have a CD that I burned a long time ago, which is kind of like a, a vocal warm up. Uh, CD that I, you know, that I would play in my car or at at the house, um, and I would just sing along to it, you know, as as it, either when I'm driving or doing whatever. Um, I would just sing along to it, and I pulled that out um, a few weeks back, and I was just running through that, and I, uh, I was just going, "Holy cow!" You know, the, you know. The voice is a, uh, it's an instrument. If you don't keep it tuned, um, it takes a while for you to get it back. And man, songs that I could just nail before, um, now I find myself, you know, after 30 years struggling. Shocker, right? But I was running through it and I thinking to myself, it's like, yeah, I think those days have passed because uh, I don't want to be like, you know, one of these singers that are trying to hang on to something far too long and they just can't do it anymore. I don't know if you've seen any, any videos of, um, past singers that should probably, I don't know, give it up. But, uh, I know one of them has, but I don't know. You can get on like TikTok or YouTube and I don't know, Google search or whatever singers past their prime or whatever. And you'll probably come across a myriad of uh, videos. Thankfully, none of mine, because um, uh, I never sang when there were camera phones or phone cameras and video things. You know, all my stuff is done, you know, pre-evidence, <laughs> pre-evidence era to where everything is captured and posted. But, uh, yeah, so I know probably part of that dream stems from that because, man, I really had a lot of fun when I used to sing. Um, it, it's a good, it's a good outlet. It's, um, just the energy that I get from it or that I did get from it is just, man, it's so much fun. Um, music is amazing. I love music. Um. 
but I'm, I'm guessing that that dream was a manifestation of my self-doubt in being able to carry a tune in a bucket anymore as I'm as I'm aging. But you know, um, I was reading an article um, about singers and what what you can do um, to help your voice, and and um, it was an interview with Steve Perry. Uh, former lead singer for Journey, and who is my um, the person? If 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 man, I I wanted to have his voice, um, his range, everything about his singing was uh, just amazing, and uh, I wish he would put out more music. Um, never got a chance to see the guy live had third row tickets that somebody had won on a radio contest that they were going to sell to me, but then decided to give them to somebody else. So back when he was, uh, after he, after journey split and he was out on a solo tour and man, I was so stoked to go to that show, but the, the people that won the tickets gave them away to somebody else. And man, I was so pissed. I was <laughs> so mad. And uh, anyways, in, in the in the uh, interview, he said one of the worst things that you can do for your voice is to uh, have your tonsils removed. And, you know, not saying that that's the end all be all, because I'm sure there's a lot of singers out there that have had their tonsils removed that can still sing amazing. But I've had my tonsils removed and I've noticed uh, ever since then, my wife says it hasn't, but, um, I can hear, you know, in my head, you know, how you can hear yourself when you're talking. The change, um, in tone. And as I was running through that, that, uh, warm up CD, it's like, man, I don't, I don't know if it's just my voice being old or if it's because I've had my tonsils out or, or what, but anyway crazy stuff so you've listened to me ramble for I don't know a minute or two now can't even tell you how long but uh, probably going to cut her out here and um, just say man I think you're awesome I think if you are here today listening to this podcast, man, congratulations. You've made it through 100% of the crappiest days of your life. And you're still here. Um, you're needed. You're needed and you're wanted by people. So please don't, don't give up. You have a purpose here. I still have a purpose here. I don't know what my purpose is. Um, But uh, I'm not willing to, to check out just yet. I hope you're not either because, uh, dang it, I need you as a listener. I don't have too many of you, so stick around, hang out. And uh, again, a big thanks to Ben Sound for the music. Find us on uh, Facebook. Find us on uh, 
anchor.fm slash dauntless podcast. Keep in touch. Let's talk music. Let's talk life. Stick around. Who knows what the next episode's going to be. This has been uh, Adam for Dauntless, the podcast, 100%, as you can probably tell, unscripted, ramblings of a disabled guy. Take care, everybody. <laughs>